Welcome to the Sex and Psychology Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Justin Miller. I am a social psychologist and research fellow at the Kinsey Institute and author of the book, Tell Me What You Want, The Science of Sexual Desire and How It Can Help You Improve Your Sex Life. One of the most popular posts I've ever written on the Sex and Psychology blog was about why so many men send unsolicited dick pics to women. At the time, there wasn't much academic research on the subject, but the data that were out there suggested that the guys who engage in this behavior are, at best, clueless about women, and at worst, narcissistic jerks. This has fed a growing narrative in both the popular media and on social media that all dick pics are bad, even when they're sent consensually. A quick Google search will turn up all kinds of articles espousing this view, with titles such as, Why You Shouldn't Ever Send That Dick Pic? Are men who send dick pics mentally ill? And why do men send dick pics even though nobody wants to see them? You get the idea. And while I think we can all agree that you should never send unsolicited nude photos, taking the view that nudes should never be sent at all, even when it's something that all parties consent to, seems like a bit of an overcorrection, and it completely overlooks the ways in which consensually sharing nudes can be positive. So let's take a good hard look at the science of dick pics. I have a two-part series for you on the subject. In today's show, we're going to focus on the cultural history of the dick pic and the four most common narratives we hear about dick pics in the media. In the next episode, we're going to talk about a new way of thinking about dick pics and their positive side when they're shared consensually. My guest today is Dr. Andrea Walling, a senior research fellow at the Australian Research Center in Sex, Health, and Society at La Trobe University. Her current research project, titled Men, Sex, and Intimacy, explores how young heterosexual men in Australia are navigating and negotiating intimacy, sex, sexual health, and consent in the wake of Me Too politics. Her work has attracted over $2.8 million in competitive funding and has yielded over 70 publications. Her latest book is titled Exploring the Cultural Phenomenon of the Dick Pic. This is going to be an amazing conversation. Stick around and we're gonna jump in right after the break. Securing Sexuality is the first mental health conference dedicated exclusively to bringing together cross-disciplinary experts to explore emerging legal and ethical issues around sex and technology. This conference will cover a wide array of topics, including how to safeguard pleasure with internet-connected sex toys, the rise of digital sex work, the use of social media for organizing within the kink and polyamory communities, increasing safety in online dating, as well as the ethical considerations that are arising from the growing intersection between virtual reality, artificial intelligence, and sexuality. This conference will be held October 19th and 20th in Detroit, Michigan. Attendees will come away with a deeper understanding of and appreciation for the challenges and solutions to building healthy relationships in our increasingly digital world, while also cultivating a meaningful global community of colleagues. Continuing education credits are available for qualified professionals. Check the show notes for the link or purchase your pass to the Securing Sexuality Conference today at securingsexuality.com. If you're a fan of this show, then I know you're hungry for sexuality knowledge. But if you're also looking to find a community of like-minded, sex-positive professionals, check out the Sexual Health Alliance. Shaw connects you with world-class experts and an active group of passionate, fun, and welcoming students. Shaw is at the forefront of sexuality education and hosts monthly live events, both online and in person, with students from all over the world and from all types of backgrounds. They come together to learn, travel, connect, and sometimes form friendships. 
So, podcast fans, continue advancing your sexuality knowledge, have fun, and meet fantastic people in the process at Sexual Health Alliance. You can find their upcoming events and online certification programs at sexualhealthalliance.com. Hi, Andrea, and welcome to the Sex and Psychology Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining me. It's a pleasure to have you here to talk about all things dick pics. So as a starting point, I think the most logical question is what led you to write an entire almost 200-page book on the topic of dick pics? So what got you interested in this topic and what made you want to do this really deep dive into the subject? So it kind of started back in 2016. I was a postdoc on a project that was looking at how men's bodies are becoming more eroticized and sexualized, particularly heterosexual men. As part of that postdoc, one of the questions we were kind of asking men was about whether or not they sent dick pics. And it wasn't a major part of the project. It was just kind of a little aside. And from that, I started to kind of become a bit interested. And I was at the same time, I was starting to see kind of more public commentaries about dick pics coming out around people kind of getting upset about them, getting angry about them, the hostility around them. And I can't remember how this quite came about, but I ended up being invited to do a radio interview about dick pics. And I did the interview and I was quite steamrolled by, I was kind of paired with another journalist and she had gone around and interviewed a whole bunch of women about their experiences of dick pics and and how awful dick pics were. And she'd only interviewed two men. And I found that really interesting that she'd kind of said, this is what dick pics are and this is what they mean based on women's experiences, which are really important, but we weren't getting the other side. So I kind of walked away from that interview going, oh, there's something interesting here that I think needs exploration. And that kind of led me into the rabbit hole, as, as we might call it, of dick pic research and really wanting to look at starting with the base of, okay, what's being said about them or how are we talking about them in public? What is that doing or what does that mean? And then using that as a base to kind of figure out how are men creating, sending dick pics? What's going on in their heads when they're doing it? How do they feel about it? So that's kind of what led me there was a bit of a lack of research in one case of men's experiences. And the other side was also kind of recognizing that there was particular discourses that were emerging that were really prominent about how we talk about men's genitalia and dick pics more generally. And I wanted to really query that and challenge that a little bit. Thanks for sharing that. And I appreciate that you're studying this subject because, as you mentioned, there's not a lot of work out there on it. In fact, that's one of the things that prompted me to do a little bit of research on this subject myself. So it's something people are inherently curious about, but we just don't know all that much from a scientific standpoint. So in order to do the research that went into your book, you secured several research grants, including one from the Australian Research Council. And when I saw that, my jaw kind of dropped because I was like, you know, I can't imagine a branch of the U.S. government allocating money to someone over here to study dick pics. You know, it just would not happen. So I'm curious to hear a little bit about the story behind how you managed to get funding for this project. In your book, you talk about sexuality research in general being, quote unquote, dirty work, meaning it's necessary and important work, but it's socially devalued. And I can definitely relate to that. So tell us how someone doing the dirty work of studying dick pics was able to secure government funding for their work. Yeah, so it was a bit of a challenge. So it started with a tiny little like 4K little pilot grant. And 4K isn't that much here in Australia because our dollar is different to the US dollar. So where 4K might seem like a lot of money to do a little kind of study in Australia, it's not very much. And 
So I got this little kind of 4K grant to do a little cultural analysis of discourses of dick pics. And that's kind of where the first publication came out of that. I tried a couple of times to get a second grant to look at men's productions of dick pics, but I couldn't quite get there. And what I had to do is I got a second internal grant that was looking at men's body image practices in relation to dick pics. So I was kind of framing dick pics within a more public healthy framework, like what does this mean for body image anxiety? What does this mean for sexual risk taking? And that kind of more public health approach. And I was interested in those aspects, but that allowed me to then also look more at the meanings and the processes behind doing dick pic research. So that's where those two little grants came up. The third grant, which kind of helped me finish writing the book, was a much bigger grant that was actually looking more at men's practices of navigating consent and communication in the intimate moment. So the big project that I'm kind of finishing now is really looking at what's happening for young men in Australia when they're actually having sex. How are they actually navigating consent? So not so much saying what is consent, how do you understand it, but what are you doing in that moment? How is she responding? So it's looking specifically at heterosexual men, uh, cisgender heterosexual men. And like, how is she responding? How do you understand the body language? What's happening in that space? And dick pics become a part of that bigger project as well, because there is a consensual process in the sending and receiving of dick pics. So when you're doing dirty work (laughs) research, it's really crappy, but you kind of have to frame it in ways that it's going to speak to some national interest or issue that's going on. So dick pics, for example, are constantly framed as either medical pathology or they're kind of framed as violence. So you have to take that and use that as a bit of a framing for the work that you want to do, even if that's not the direction you want to go, because it's just not going to get funded otherwise. Because as you know, like governments, we don't value sex research. We don't value what's happening for people. And unfortunately, because we don't value it, We don't know what's going on, but we know that we've got all these challenges coming up that we don't have enough research into. And the research that we are doing is kind of approaching it from, you know, a sexual health standpoint, which is fine, but we're not getting that meaning and we're not getting that necessarily about understanding pleasure and we're not understanding what's happening for people in the moments and how that's playing out. So to get these grants, I had to kind of frame it in those ways. The really big grant that I'm on isn't specifically about dick pics, rather that dick pics kind of come into play with the stuff that I'm doing on how men are navigating sex. Because as I said before, dick pics are a part of the navigation of a sexual relationship, particularly if you're having kind of digital back and forth. So you have to kind of frame it in a way that it speaks to some kind of pressing issue, because that's the way in which we do research these days, right? Like we only get funding if it's urgent and it needs to be done now, and it's answering or trying to solve a problem. So we don't value research for research sake. We don't value research for looking at meaning and understanding. And we can see that in the kind of big attack around humanities research in particular, the defunding of humanities research, losing humanities programs at universities. We don't value that kind of research. So when you're doing dick pic research, which is about, for me, it was about meaning and understanding and pleasure. You have to find other ways to make it relevant and to speak to some kind of national issue in the country that you're in. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. And it's so true for a lot of folks I know who are in sexuality research is you kind of have to do this in 
somewhat stealthy ways where you have to think of a different framing for it that's going to resonate. And then you can find a way to work in what it is that you really want to study. And that was always my frustration when I was a college professor was that I had to apply for grants, but the things that I wanted to study weren't things that could be funded. And so I would have to design these projects that I didn't really want to do just so that I could find a way to work in some of the questions that I really was curious about exploring. So anyway, that's a whole other issue. But before we dive into dick pics, I think it's worth stepping back and talking about the long and very complicated relationship that humans have with the penis. I mean, at certain points in human history, representations of the penis have been everywhere. I mean, if you think about ancient Rome as one example, you know, they adorned their city with penises. Young boys wore what was called a fascinum around their neck, which was a replica of a penis. And side note, this I think is kind of funny, uh, the word fascinum is actually where the word fascinating was derived from. So whenever you say that something is fascinating, you're actually likening it to the penis. But anyway, uh, over time, things changed. The penis went out of fashion. Every attempt was made to cover it up. And even in modern society, the penis still makes pretty infrequent appearances. And when representations do appear, it's either deemed to be dirty or pornographic, such as when it pops up in a movie, or it's seen as a joke, such as when bachelorettes adorn themselves in penis decorations before they head out for a night on the town. So given that we seem to have this kind of fraught relationship with the penis in general, it seems to me like that's going to have major implications for how people evaluate something like a dick pic. So can you just tell us a little bit about kind of the cultural history of the penis and how that's shaped our modern attitudes toward this piece of anatomy? Oh gosh, that's a really big question. I can talk a little bit about it. I just don't have the whole history of the penis in my head at the moment. But what you were saying that in kind of different cultures across different time periods, the penis can be revered in different ways. And one of the biggest ways was, of course, around virility and fertility and this kind of idea that the penis is a representation of being able to get somebody pregnant, of bringing life into the world, of a kind of, of strength and virility and but there's a real interesting thing where, as you noted, that we're starting to hide it. And I know that um, Peter Lehman's work really kind of picks this up quite well. And I still think is relevant today, even though he was writing, you know, in the early 2000s and the 90s. But we need to hide the penis because actually it's quite vulnerable. And so when we hide it, we're kind of hiding the vulnerability of people who are attached to the penis. So I'm going to use the word men here, for example, even though I know that more than men can have a penis, but just in terms of men and masculine, cisgender men and masculinity, throughout history, the penis has been revered as a symbol of strength, as virility. But as we've kind of moved through contemporary cultures, we've needed to hide it, to hide, it's actually quite vulnerable. And its vulnerability comes through shape and aesthetic and size and the fact that it can transform from soft, semi-soft to hard. And What's interesting is that we still revere the penis in ways that I think have shifted as well. So instead of, of having kind of more ritualistic worship of it, we see it everywhere and we don't. So I think what was really interesting, what you said about the bachelorette party is, in fact, you can find penis symbology everywhere, but it's very rare that you're going to see actual real images of it. And even with my book, I could not get real images into my book. I had to do symbolic imagery. I think the only image that I, I think I got two images in and one is actually a really, well, I think is a really beautiful AIDS poster from Germany in the 1970s, which is a really stunning poster. And that was the closest I could get to a dick pic, but I had to make sure that that fit in with a narrative of HIV and AIDS and talking about that in the book as part of the penis is seen as death and violence. And 
we have this interesting thing where we see it everywhere. There's symbolism everywhere. It can be joked about. We can draw cartoons of it. We can talk about it, but we can't really show it, show it. And it is around that vulnerability. And I think that's been the real contemporary change from history until now, where it was revered to now it's actually seen as something to be feared something that is violent or something that is too vulnerable to be shown. And I find that really fascinating in comparison to back in the days where actually, you're right, we would see it everywhere. You'd see, you know, beautiful sculptures and beautiful paintings and often not even necessarily in in phallic hard states either. A lot of those really beautiful classical paintings and Renaissance paintings, the penis might be soft, but we're not seeing that now. We've kind of shifted into this idea that it needs to always be hard and ready and ready to perform. Sorry, I don't think I answered that very well. I don't have a good history of the penis in my head as, as, as much as um, other people might. <laughs> no, I think that was great. You know, and I, I think the part about vulnerability provides some really important context in terms of how we think about this. I was thinking about a lot of different things as you were speaking, and you know, also about how when the penis is shown in modern culture, you can't show it as erect. You know, it can only be seen as soft. And, you know, that issue of vulnerability, if you think about penile representation in the movies, you know, most men don't want to show their actual penises. And so they have to wear a penile prosthetic. And, you know, that speaks to bigger, broader issues about how men feel about their penises and anatomy and so forth. So there are so many fascinating things we could talk about here. But returning to dick pics, in your book, you talk about how there are really four dominant themes that exist in both academic and public discourse on the subject. So I want to talk about each of them and get your take. The first is that they're a form of sexual violence or harassment. You know, dick pics are often seen as a way that men exert power over women, and they're often seen as this outgrowth of toxic masculinity. And that has even led some people to argue that dick pics in general are inherently violent regardless of the intent behind them. So tell us a little bit more about this view and what is your perspective on this? So the thing with this view is it's not untrue. Research has found that that many men will send dick pics as a form of violence, as a form of harm. And the intention behind those dick pics is to make women feel unsettled, to make them feel uncomfortable, to make them feel threatened. We know from research and from lived experience that that is a very real reality and it is a form of violence. And we know particularly that it can happen to a lot of people and it can happen in all kinds of ways. I think, you know, when Apple introduced the airdropping, people were getting dick pics airdropped into their phones randomly from people and they didn't even know where it was coming from. So the idea that it is violent is certainly true in the sense that if that's the motivation and intent behind it, yes, it is violent um, because if the intent is to make someone feel uncomfortable, distressed, etc., it absolutely is a form of violence. And we know that when we started creating digital spaces, so much research has found that men really work hard. A lot of men really work hard to make women feel uncomfortable in those spaces and to make them feel like they don't belong, just like they do in, in real life spaces. So it's not surprising. Um, and there's that level of an- anonymity and confidentiality that can come from sending dick pics as well. So you could just send it from a random email account or, you know, random messenger app, and it's much harder to track, or you have to kind of go through and and use like IT forensics to track it properly. And a lot of people aren't going to go and do that. So it is violent in that sense. The idea that it's inherently violent, no matter what the intent, I think is really naive and forgets that actually people send dick pics in all kinds of contexts. I also think it forgets that 
it's not just cishet men who send dick pics. We know that dick pic sending can be can happen in queer cultures as well. And so it's kind of ignoring what's happening there and why it's happening and the meanings behind that. So I think the idea that it's inherently violent, no matter the intent, is really misguided. And what that actually does is it's also kind of creating a moral panic, I think, around it too. This idea that, oh my gosh, all dick pics are bad and therefore we should never send them. It doesn't really give us an understanding about sexual relations between people when it's consensual, when people want to send each other, you know, dirty photos as part of an intimate relationship, whatever that looks like and how it looks. And so that would be my take. And I think it's a little bit, it's a very negative take. I understand where it comes from because I recognize that we still live in an era where men's violence against women is so significantly high and not just against women, but against other men, against trans women and trans men, against non-binary people. So it's still significantly high and it's not just direct violence on violence, but we know that the violence emerges in all kinds of ways, particularly when I think about the Roe versus Wade debates in the US and the shutting down of Planned Parenthood and the reproductive rights stuff. So we know that it's all there and dick pics become embedded as a part of that narrative. But importantly, it's not the only way to think about them. And I think people lose sight of the fact that context is so important when we're talking about sex and the ways in which sex emerges, it's not a straightforward objective one way. It's so nuanced depending on the relations and what people are doing and how they're doing it. So yeah, sorry, I went on a tangent there. <laughs> no, I, I love that answer. That's great. And it reminds me a lot of the conversations that we're hearing often these days about pornography and people wanting to view that through this very black and white lens. And there are a lot of people who argue that all porn is inherently victimizing, right? And you have a lot of people who argue that, you know, porn is very nuanced and, you know, that's led to people talking about ethical porn and, you know, under what context and circumstances is porn okay? And so, you know, it's part of a broader debate that's going on right now about all things related to sex, where some people just, you know, kind of want to see it through this universal black-white issue and context and nuance really matter here. So I appreciate you sharing all of that very eloquently. Now, another common theme that we see in popular discourse is that dick pics are seen as a form of pathology, that the people sending them are often seen as narcissists, as having dark personality traits, and as having mental health issues. And when you talk about this in your book, you raise some really interesting points about this perspective. So tell us a little bit more about this view of, you know, dick pics as pathology. Yeah, so this one's a really interesting one, I think, because we're, it's kind of, again, part of this broader discourse. I don't know if you've noticed this, but I've been noticing it around the therapization of the dating world and dating language becoming quite therapized, where everyone's talking about attachment styles and boundaries and narcissism and red flags and all that kind of stuff, which I find really interesting. But with the dick pic, what was interesting that was emerging was this all, there's several studies that have come out and they were kind of trying to assess whether or not men who are more likely to display narcissistic tendencies or could potentially be diagnosed with a narcissistic personality disorder or, you know, those dark personality traits, whether or not they're more likely to send dick pics. And their research found that, yes, they were more likely to send dick pics if they were particularly on those that spectrum. The first thing to note there is, again, you know, there's a question of consensual versus non-consensual and what do we mean by the sending of dick pics? Are you just sending dick pics or are you sending unsolicited to people who are then distressed by receiving them? Like, what are the contexts in which those are being sent, which is not clear? The second thing about the pathologizing is that I think 
it's an interesting thing in that it kind of goes back to the way in which so many kinds of like sexual things that we might enjoy or engage become pathologized, they become paraphilias. And so, you know, there's been arguments around, you know, dick pics are just a new form of exhibitionism and that it should be considered a form of cyber flashing and therefore it needs to be considered a paraphilia. And what, and then there's questions about whether or not that needs to be criminalized. The problem, of course, with linking it with exhibitionism is that we know that, for example, in BDSM communities, exhibitionism is a valid fetish within consensual context. So to kind of say that it's exhibitionism as a pathology is forgetting that whole thing, and it's actually just continuing to pathologize kink and BDSM communities, which is problematic. The other problematic thing is that it's kind of creating this idea that if we label it a medical pathology, if we pathologize it and say this is a mental illness, how do we then take that into a justice system where it's being sent with intent to harm? And so you get into this very messy state where if you're saying that sending dick pics is a form of mental illness and then someone gets sent to court for sexually harassing someone or promoting sexual violence towards someone, what's stopping them from claiming a mental illness defense, right? And so that becomes, and I'm not a legal expert, so I can't really go into details about what that's doing in terms of legislature. For me, it's a bit beyond me, but it's just to think a bit more critically about when we medically pathologize things, there's two things that happen. We we create a discourse in which we're saying it's not okay in all circumstances when actually, again, if you're sending dick pics consensually, I think that's fine. If people have consented to it, they've agreed to it, they love it, do it. So we've got that issue. And then we've also got the legal issue where if they're not sending it consensually, if it is a form of violence, but they can claim mental illness, there goes the defense of, of sexual violence. And that's an issue. That's an issue that we know that so many, particularly women in particular, very rarely get justice for the sexual violence that they experience. It's very, very rare. And it's very hard for them to report and get it taken seriously. So we have that issue. And then I think more generally, I'm, I'm uncomfortable with pathologizing a sexual practice without that nuance, because to me, something should be seen as harmful when it's perpetuating harm towards somebody else, when it's not consensual. But if you've got two people sending dick pics consensually, my question is, where's the harm if it's within the relation? So you have to think about the relationality with that. And I think it's a similar thing to when we talk about young people and sexting, there's some really interesting arguments around how, because of the moral panics around young people and sexting, we've got all this legislature to protect them, but actually young people are getting charged within that legislation because they're producing photos just for each other. And then they're getting charged with really problematic offenses that can't be applied. So it's that kind of lack of nuance, again, that I think pathologizing brings. And then just why do we need to pathologize sexual practices if they're not inherently harmful towards somebody else. So the harm comes through intent. With dick pics in particular, harm is through intent. The practice itself is neutral. It's the intent that gives it the meanings behind it. Yeah, so fascinating and so much that's worth exploring here. Now, a third theme that you discuss in the book that is totally different, but that raises an interesting tension is that we also often hear about dick pics online as kind of this harmless or humorous thing. And 
you know, we see this online element that's very different from that violence narrative that talks about the male body in this satirical, almost comical way. And there's no parallel that exists for that for discussions of women's online nudity. But like I said, it kind of raises this interesting tension where people seem to, you know, on the one hand, recognize that dick pics can be this very inappropriate behavior, but also just kind of something to be expected when you go online and people make jokes about it. So what are your thoughts on that? It's a really interesting thing because I think it does a couple of things. The, the humor narrative, it dismisses the the experience of violence that people might experience when it's non-consensual. So this idea that, well, if you go online, you're going to get dick pics and you just have to expect that. So it's kind of like that there's that really old South Park episode where Cartman's going on. I think it was Cartman was on chat roulette. And that whole idea of like the old school chat roulette where you go on chat roulette and random people would rock up and nine times out of 10, it would be some random guy with his dick out. And that was kind of the running joke. And that was the idea that, well, if you're going to go on chat roulette, that's what's going to happen. So you have to expect that. And so with these humor narratives, what they do is they kind of, they create this idea that unsolicited dick pics are just a natural part of the digital world, which is very strange and that we should just expect their existence and we have to put up with it. So it kind of normalizes it. And then what that does is through that normalization, it can be used to invalidate people's experiences of harm when it happens. So when they're receiving dick pics without consent, when they're being receiving dick pics as a form of violence, all of that is kind of normalized as, well, this is just what happens. So you just have to be okay with that or don't go online. And that kind of then goes back to this idea that of controlling digital spaces. And because it's often directed at women, these dick pics, not always, but often directed at women, it becomes a place where women have to decide whether they're going to put up with that or if they're going to leave the space. And it's to push them out, really. So that's what it does. The, the other side of it is it also shows that we can laugh and talk about the penis, because one, we don't ever see the real one, as I talked about earlier, we can laugh about dick pics and we can laugh about the way it looks because it's funny because at the end of the day, none of them are seen as the real penis either. And so there's this really interesting thing happening there where because we don't see it and because the humor is afforded to the bodies in ways that we we don't allow humor for women's bodies, it's seen as non-threatening to men. So if we can laugh about it, in a kind of funny, humorous kind of way. We've got all these kinds of dick jokes, dick pic jokes, and all that kind of stuff. Then it takes away the real vulnerability of it. We can't do that with women's bodies because the minute we start doing that with women's bodies, we take away the vulnerability and we need that vulnerability to keep women in their place, right? Like we need to feel insecure about our bodies. We need to be going through all kinds of plastic surgeries. And I'm not against plastic surgeries or body modifications either. Like I, I think body modification in itself is a really interesting and complex thing that kind of talk, you know, you can kind of think about it in terms of empowerment and an agency and choice. And where does all that fit in with cultural influence? But we can't do that with women's bodies because to do that means that the power around the ways in which we're made to feel insecure about our bodies is dissipating. So because we can make fun of the penis and we can have silly little drawings and we can, you know, I can buy all kinds of things that are penis natured and penis themed from random stores, like on the Wish catalog, you can find all kinds of random stuff. That's okay because it creates this humor that allows men's bodies to kind of move through this humorous kind of way and it's not a threat and it's not vulnerable. And we just can't do that with women's bodies. And I think that, so the humor 
narrative is a really interesting one in that it allows for normalization, but also affords a lack of vulnerability in a way that we don't allow for women's bodies. And we're starting to see that change with women's bodies, which is really great. But where it's changing isn't mainstream culture. It's a kind of feminist-driven agenda where you're seeing kind of these really great small businesses creating stuff that kind of does show different types of vaginas or, or, you know, you look, watch the movie, no, sorry, show sex education and Amy's making the different vulva cupcakes and kind of getting really into it. We're starting to see that differently. Now we're starting to see a bit more humor afforded and that kind of breaking down of that vulnerability, but it's nowhere near to the degree of what, of what we actually afford men. Yeah, definitely. Again, so many fascinating things to explore here, and which is why I appreciate your book and you talking about all of this because I hadn't thought about all of these issues myself. Now, the final theme that you discuss is dick pics as failed attempts at seduction and romance. And, you know, that sort of harkens back to the men are from Mars, women are from Venus view that, you know, men just don't get women. They're clueless and they need to learn how to behave. And, you know, based on my own research, there seems to be some truth to this idea in the sense that most of the guys that I've surveyed who have sent dick pics say that they did so because they were hoping to turn the other person on, right? But it often didn't land that way. So tell us a bit more about this perspective of, you know, dick pics as failed attempts at seduction. It's an interesting one because on part of what it does is it also kind of excuses what men are doing. And it kind of recreates this idea that women are mysterious and nobody knows what they want or how to engage them and that men have to kind of figure out this mysterious box of a woman and and break in. And thinking about that, like one of the the things around that men don't understand women is because they're not trying to. So this idea that men don't know what women want, it's an interesting one, I think, nowadays, maybe because you think about TikTok and social media and what a lot of women want is respect and communication and being treated with respect and care. And so they want a partner who is going to be there for them emotionally, who's going to share in the mental labor, the emotional labor, the physical labor of a household, all that kind of like deeper kind of more connection type stuff. Not all women. Some might just want a really hot guy with a really hot body or some might be really interested in in material wealth and gain, you know, all kinds of stuff. But I think when you kind of break it down, that's kind of what they're looking for. And men aren't hearing that and they're not listening to that. And so they just think, well, if I send a dick pic, this is going to turn her on. The penis doesn't really, it turns some women on, but for a lot of women, they need something different. They want to be seduced. They want foreplay. They want to know that their partner's interested in their pleasure. I find that, you know, when, if you're a guy and you're just sending a dick pic or you're talking a lot about what your dick is and what it can do, and then you send a dick pic, it probably, it tends to turn a lot of women off because they they read that as, oh, you're just thinking about yourself. You're not thinking about what you might like want to do with me for my pleasure. You're just thinking about your own pleasure. But part of the issue there is, of course, men are conditioned to think that the pleasure that women get is entirely from the penis. The reality is it probably isn't. They're going to get in other places. The penis is enjoyable for a lot of women, but it's not the main focus for some of them. They like other kinds of things or they get off in other kinds of ways. And so it's a lack, I'd say a lack of education, but there's nothing stopping men from Googling stuff and talking to women and finding out, right? Like there's nothing stopping them, but they're not, and some are doing that and they're doing a great job and some aren't. And then we say, oh, it's because men have a lack of sex education. And I don't disagree with that. Like sex education is not handled well 
for all kinds of reasons in all kinds of countries. Like, and it's not just because it may or may not be comprehensive. There's all other issues around implementation, all that kind of stuff, delivery, all that kind of things. But there's nothing stopping you from going, from finding some forums or talking to the women in your life and being like, hey, I'm, I'm trying to get better at having sex with women. What does this need to look like or feel like? Like, I, where does it need? Like, there's nothing stopping you from doing that other than not doing it. And when it comes to dick pics, what happens is that men are conditioned to think that women want the penis, therefore they're going to send a photo of the penis and that's going to turn them on because men have been conditioned to think that a naked photo of a woman is what's going to turn them on. And we're, we've been inundated in a culture of that. You know, you've got your dirty calendars, you've got the music videos, we've got our, our pornography, you've got all the kind of sexualized media and advertising. And I'm not necessarily against any of that either, but it's just, it's so embedded that a half naked or a naked woman is what turns a man on. It just becomes like a normal conditioned response. And then men think that that's what's going on for women. But for a lot of women, it's very different. They're turned on by all kinds of different things. And I think so are men, but we just haven't given men that opportunity to explore that and to actually engage it because we've conditioned them to think that you have to be turned on by a particular kind of women. She has to look a particular way. She has to act a particular way. And that's what's valid. And then dick pics become embedded in that whole kind of messy process of relations. You know, you just want to say, well, just ask somebody what they like or they don't like. But we don't, we also don't give people the communication tools to do that. So it's very easy for me to say, oh, you should just ask her what she likes and then do it. But that is a really difficult process for a lot of people because they've not done that before. They don't know how to engage it or they're in a sexual situation and something goes wrong, they've not been given the tools to navigate when things go goes wrong. All they're really given is a kind of, con- she needs to consent. Yes. But what happens if you did something slightly wrong and it's gotten a bit messy, the communication's messy. And I think dick pics fit in with all of that messiness that we haven't quite figured out. And so that narrative is a really interesting one because I also think it again reaffirms this idea that women are impossible, we're mysterious and we can't be figured out because it benefits men in some way. Well, they don't have to then do the work to actually make sure that we're feeling good and that we're pleasured. And we have to do the mental labor to make men feel good by faking orgasms or being like, oh, you're amazing. And then walking away and being like, that was shit. Like that kind of <laughs> mental labor, right? Like, you know, there's hilarious memes that I see all the time about, there's this one about the girl where she's like, I can't remember what it was, but it was like a TikTok thing where the guy's like, did you come? And she's like, yeah, to the wrong house, <laughs> like that kind of narrative. But, and it's funny because it's, there's so much truth in that and dick pics fit in with all of that idea that men don't know what women want because it benefits them in a lot of ways to not know. Cause then they can just get their rocks off and, and go away. <laughs> yeah. So many interesting things there. You know, one of the things I was thinking about as you were speaking was how you know, I've said this many times before that a lot of people find it easier to have sex than to talk about sex. And I think it's sort of the same thing with dick pics. You know, it's easier to send a dick pic than to ask somebody what they want sexually, or at least it seems that way for a lot of people. I think a lot of men also kind of look at sending dick pics as an efficient, in sense of time, like strategy for figuring out who might be sexually available because it's easy to send out a bunch of dick pics. And although 
most people are probably going to pass on it. You know, most women are probably going to pass on this. There are enough who do respond that the strategy still pays off for them. You know, I kind of think of it as like a variable reinforcement schedule, like at a casino with a slot machine. Like most of the time you don't win, but sometimes, you know, you win just often enough that it keeps you coming back for more. So, so many different ways to think about all these subjects. I appreciate you sharing all four of these themes, but you say that, you know, we're limiting ourselves by not expanding our lens and talking about other ways that we can think about dick pics. So that's what we're going to be diving into in the next episode. And I can't wait. Thank you so much for this amazing conversation, Andrea. It was a pleasure to have you here. Can you please tell my listeners where they can go to learn more about you and your work? Where people can learn about my work is that they can navigate to my Latrobe profile. So just kind of look up Latrobe Scholar and then put my name in. They can buy the book if they wanted to at Routledge or Taylor and Francis online. And they can follow me on Twitter at Dr. Andrea Walling. And I will be sure to include links to all of those things in the show notes. So thank you again so much for your time. I really appreciate having you here. And thank you to my listeners. To keep up with new episodes of this podcast, visit my website, Sex and Psychology at sexandpsychology.com or subscribe on your favorite platform where I hope you'll take a moment to rate and review the show. You can also follow me on the socials for daily sex research updates. I'm on Twitter at Justin Laymiller and Instagram at Justin J. Laymiller. Also, be sure to check out my book, Tell Me What You Want. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Thank you.